0: This is the Commonwealth City Church podcast. Thanks for listening. Commonwealth is a church in Lexington, Kentucky. For more info, visit our website at CommonwealthCityChurch.com and follow us on Instagram at ComCityChurch. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Commonwealth City. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, and I know see a lot of new faces out there this morning coming in support of your families. As we get to dedicate these little ones a little later on, and uh, welcome, and we are glad that you're here. It's, it really is an honor and a privilege to, to get to be up here to, to commission these parents and to share God's Word with you. Um, I know it's been a little while since I've, since I've been up here, but grateful to God to get to stand here. Um, I am grateful for all the, the mothers that are here. My own mom is here. I'm just uh, excited that, that she gets to be here as well and to get to celebrate this day. With her. Uh, mothering is, is a great work and it is uh, a, a task that comes with very little uh, public uh, praises, especially from those that you spend most of your time pouring into. Uh, but it is a God-given opportunity and uh, the influence that you have on your own children is unlike no other. And I also recognize, um, Andrew kind of called attention to this, but I recognize that for some of you, like this, the emotion that you wake up with is not one of happiness. It's not one um, of that this is a, a happy Mother's Day, that whether it's feelings of loss from a child or loss of your own mother um, or difficult circumstances that you're facing, that like happiness is not what you feel when you woke up this morning. And for some of you, it could be a, a difficult season that you're walking through, one where you feel like a failure as a mother, or you see your kids heading down a path that you don't want them to go down, and it, it, it hurts. And your day-to-day is, is a struggle. Um, I just want to remind you, um, and, and also I, I recognize that there's some in this room too that like, have that longing to be a mother, and that's something that God just hasn't said yes to yet. And I just want to remind you and encourage you that that God's arm is not shortened to you by your situation or circumstance, that he sees you. He is a God that knows you intimately and loves you. And his steadfast love and mercy is pursuing you and inviting you to enjoy him, to find joy, even though joy doesn't equate to happiness sometimes. But he wants to be that satisfaction. He wants to fill that void and he wants to be your everything. I love the songs that we got to sing this morning because I felt they were just very thematic to what we're going to talk about today and just um, really setting the stage uh, to what I believe God is going to invite us into this morning. Um, So thank you to all the moms out there. Thank you for all that you do. And my prayer this morning is that God would pour out a double portion of joy and peace on you, not just today, but, but this week, um, as he reminds you that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Um, our text this morning is going to be from Psalm 78, and if you've been here with us in past Mother Days, Mother, Mother's Days, you're going to be like, didn't we cover this passage before? And the answer is yes. Um, but I love that God's word is fresh and new, and I believe that God has something in uh, fresh that he, he taught me that he wants you guys to see as well. And so if you would turn to Psalm 78, we're going to be in the first eight verses. And if you wouldn't mind to stand as we read God's word, just to honor the truth of, of his word. <clears throat> Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we've heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we are grateful, so grateful for the truth of your word. I love that it It speaks to us afresh. Um, Every time that we go to it in in prayer, as we go to it to submit ourselves to it this morning, we pray that you would invite us into wonder, that you would invite our hearts to see you afresh. Um, Lord, that we would stand in awe of your beauty and awe of your great works and awe of your day-to-day little graces that that we see uh, made visible so, Lord, bless us. Help us to see you with new eyes. Um, I pray that I would just be the amplification, Lord, of what you want to preach today. And may my words and, and my demeanor not get in, in the way of what you want to do. Come and have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can sit down. In, uh, in just a few minutes, uh, 20 or 30 minutes or so, we'll have, a, have an opportunity to invite some families up here. Uh, that desire to stand before our community, our family of faith, and before God to make a commitment to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so it always seems prudent for me to try to uh, provide an opportunity to lay a foundation for from the Word of God as to the nature of God's calling, both not just to the parents, but to us as a community of believers, us as a local body. Uh, church to to stand alongside them as stewards of the next generation and I'm sure many of you especially if you don't have children like the thought of being a steward of the next generation is not something that's on your mind very often or maybe never uh, but in Psalm 78 we see this as he as he gets into verses four and all throughout there's about four or five generations here that he mentions and it's this idea that he wants us to, to kind of zoom out and see that we are to look to the past and we are to look to the future and we're to see that we are a generation called to entrust or we've been entrusted to pass on uh, these teachings, these commands, these deeds, the might of God, the, the wonders that he has done to the next generation. And so in, in light of that uh, I'd just like to to kind of walk through this a little bit, and we're going to spend most of our time on really on one word because that's it's it's what God has kind of opened up to me these last couple of weeks. Um, but let's look at verse four, and verse four kind of opens with a warning, and it, it kind of sets the 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 precedent for the rest of the passage because he goes on to talk about. The warning is, don't hide it, don't conceal it, don't hide these things. And it's this idea that if we do, that we are, in essence, cutting off the next generation. That's kind of what the word, what the word there means. And so he kind of alludes to the fact that the, the previous generation was not faithful. And he goes on to talk about how they forgot. There's like three or four different times throughout this passage where he says, the previous generation forgot and in so doing, that there is a way that we can live that conceals the truth, the way in which they lived, that, can, that that hid the things of God from the next generation. And so, whether it's subtle or unintentional or just plain laziness on our part, uh, we need to make sure that we are not hiding God's Word, that we're not living in a way that conceals His truth. And I was thinking about this, and, and I was like, Lord, I, I don't... Like, I recognize that it... I don't just naturally drift toward holiness. Like if I'm coasting, it's not, I'm just not naturally drifting toward holiness or discipline or godly living. Like I'm always drifting toward comfort, toward apathy, toward distraction. And so if we coast, we won't be zealous to pass these things on. We will forget. We will, um, the psalmist is holding up the past generation as an example to call us to more, to say, don't do this, don't forget, don't hide it from the next generation and as I as I asked the Lord like man Lord like this passage is so familiar to me I'm like I I feel I felt like uh, the last three or four weeks for me like the I, I was entering like a, a, a time of coasting and I was like I don't I don't want to do this like I want I want to stay zealous for the Lord and I was just leaning into that and I felt like the word that he just like may jump off the page for me in verse 4, is the word wonder. And, and so I felt like he just spoke to my heart and was just like, you need to lift your eyes. You need to shift your gaze. You need to look up. You need to recover that wonder and awe. And so um, in this, the, the many times that we are kind of swimming against this constant current toward apathy, sometimes just that simple turning our eyes up and fixing our eyes on him, can make all the difference because we find him standing there in strength and power and he fans that wonder and awe into flame and we need that desperately i need that daily and so in the the middle of that i realized that lord this doesn't have just massive implications on just my daily walk you know my interactions with with others but it has massive implications for me as a parent because I want my children to see God that way. I want them to stand in awe of Him, and I want them to see Him as marvelous. And so this morning, I'm going to invite us into wonder, and I pray that God might stir our hearts uh, to look just at this Word and and what I believe that that He speaks in this passage and all throughout um, His Word. And so, This word in Hebrew is the word pala, and it's used 71 times in the Old Testament. It means to, to be marvelous, to be wonderful, surpassing, extraordinary, to separate by distinguishing action. It means to take your breath away, that it's beyond one's power, or it's hard to understand. And in nearly all the cases, it's used as God as its subject. And both the, the verb form is 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 used first in Genesis eighteen, fourteen, and it's right after God has said for maybe the third or fourth time to Abraham, I'm gonna give you a son, and this time I, I'm telling he told him specifically, it's coming through Sarah, and she kind of laughs. You guys remember that story? And he says to Abraham, Why why did she laugh? Is anything too hard or too wonderful? for the Lord. And that—that that is the the first time that that word is used, and it's God himself saying that about, about himself, that it's too wonderful. Like, you won't believe it. Like, it's, this is going to take your breath away, what I'm going to do in her. And I love, I love that. And then, um, so the verb form is used in a couple different ways. One is in his actions, both in creation, and then secondly, like in his actions of deliverance or him acting on behalf of his people. So we're going to look at, at kind of those two things, both how we see God's wonder in creation and how we see his wondrous works and how he delivers his people. And then lastly, we're going to look at kind of the noun form of that, which is just the result of those actions and the expression that happens as a result of that wonder and the aspects of, of God's action. And that's going to come out kind of in what I like to call like the visible Um, the little mundane things that God does, the little works that we see, visible grace in the day-to-day. So that's kind of where we're headed. Um, And so God's works in creation, like we see God's wonders in creation. The Bible makes it clear that creation is one of the preeminent ways that God reveals himself to us. And he has created this stunningly beautiful world for us to inhabit. And it's intended not just for our pleasure, but to evoke this wonder and awe not just at the things itself, but at the creator himself and to stir that up in us. In fact, uh, if you're familiar with the, the verse in Romans 1 verse 20, it talks about the fact that creation actually reveals, it makes visible invisible things about God. His, his, it says his invisible attributes are made, seen, are made known, his eternal power and his divine nature in the things that have been made. So it's God has made this world for us to to stare at so that we might see unique things about his character and who he is. And I'm reminded also of Psalm 19 that say the verse one that says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And I realize that like many times I, I rob myself of the wonder of creation because I just don't give myself time to pause, you know, just to pause and look at a sunrise or a sunset or even a leaf like something as simple as a leaf that last week we went to the arboretum and and walked around and the kids were like enamored at least especially with this tree that had like big huge leaves that were shaped like a heart and I don't know if you've ever just taken time to just like look at a leaf like it seems something so plain but every one of them is unique and I'm just reminded of the intricacies of a simple leaf it's like a solar panel you know for the tree like it converts energy or light to energy for the tree. It exchanges um, carbon dioxide and oxygen. There's like all of these things that happen within just a single leaf that reminds us that everything was made with intention and purpose, that we serve a God who is detailed and, and powerful. And I don't know if you've ever just laid on your back and stared up at the stars. I don't do this nearly often enough, but if you do that for very long, Um, Elijah and I was talking about this not too long ago. And it's just like, when you just stare at the stars, you get this sense of like, I'm really small. And God is really, really big. And guys, like, we need that. Like, we need to be stirred. We need to be reminded of the size of who God is and how little we are in the lengths at which he's gone to make himself known. And so I was reminded, though, that there is this constant fading that, that takes place. And that the newness and the wonder tends to wear off after we've seen it several times. And I was reminded a couple of years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Hawaii. We went to Maui. It was just, it was an amazing trip. And I remember as the plane came in to the island, you have to kind of pass the island and circle and come back. And as we come through the clouds... Like I was just eyes glued to the window like the whole time trying to, I was taking pictures from, from from the plane and I realized like this doesn't do it justice. And we circle back around and I mean it's just like, oh my gosh, the blues and the greens and the mountains, there's like a volcano there. And it's just like all the things were just like popping and I just, I was on sensory overload. And we rode our shuttle all the way to our lodging. It was about 45 minutes to an hour. And we were kind of from one window to the other window. Look how beautiful this is. And that continued for a day or two or three. And we, we were there for nine days. And by day nine, you know, we rode that same shuttle back. And we were talking about it uh, the other day. And I'm just like, I was, we weren't looking out the window anymore. Like we were, we were preparing for a red-eye flight. You know, we were tired But we stopped looking, like our eyes weren't looking out anymore. The same beauty was just outside the window and there was this like numbing effect that had taken place because we had just, we'd seen it all that week and we were kind of not necessarily tired of it, but in a sense, like it felt that way, right? It just kind of wore off. And so there's this constant like numbing effect that I believe that happens this side of heaven. I think that's something, you know, I've had that conversation with my kids before about like Heaven being boring, and i 'm like i don 't think it's going to be the same as it is here like i don 't think that numbing effect will be present. I think we will awake um, we will we every day will be like brand new, it'll be fresh and it'll be more ever increasing and I think that's something that we have to fight, especially as parents, to lift our gaze, to pause in the midst of our days and to to wonder at our Creator in the sunrise, to wonder at our Creator in the shade that He provides on a hot day, to wonder at our Creator in birdsong and cool breezes and buzzing bees, like He is all around us. If we just pause, even for a few minutes, to acknowledge that He is around us and wonder at Him. The second way I believe that that God demonstrates and calls us to wonder is in his works of deliverance for his people. And this is kind of the context of Psalm 78 verse 4 when he's talking about uh, the glorious deeds of the Lord, his might and the wonders that he has done. So this is, he, he's saying these are the things that we want to call the next generation. We want to remind them of the Exodus. We want to remind them of all the things that God did to deliver his people, to bring them out of slavery. And the second time that this word wonder is used is actually in Exodus 3.20 when God again is using it about himself and he basically says, I'm going to stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do. And after that, he being Pharaoh will let you go. And after God has done all of that, in Exodus 15, they've just come through the Red Sea. There's, uh, Moses writes this song, and in verse 11, he says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders. And again, we see this 40 years later, Joshua has taken over. They're about to cross the Jordan to, to take Jericho and to go into the promised land. And Joshua invites the people in and he says, Consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And so I ask myself, like, why, why the miraculous? Why the wonders? Why is God seeking to like, just blow our minds in the things that he does? And I'm sure there's multiple reasons, but kind of where I landed on that was, was so that we would stand in awe of him. So that we would, we would get to, to, to understand like just a little bit the glimpse of how his power is and the lengths to which he will go to deliver his people swiftly and definitively. And that we might pass that on to our children and their children's children. That's, that's the sense we get in this passage. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we see the faithfulness of God. And we see the prophets and the priests and the psalmists calling God's people to look back and see the wondrous works of God. David does it in 1 Chronicles 16, three different times in this song that he writes. He calls the people to praise and tell of God's wondrous works. Remember them. His miracles and the judgments He uttered declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. So it, it, it not only evokes praise, but it, it, it creates this sense for us to go and share that wonder with others. And all throughout the Psalms and here in Psalm 78, numerous times calling us back to see the wonders of God. As the reality is that we still serve the same God of wonders. But it has moved to even more, like beyond just the shadow of the exodus to the reality of the cross of Christ. The ultimate wonder of wonders. The same God that set Israel free from physical slavery has set us free from the slavery of sin. And he didn't just work miracles around us. We are the miracle. He didn't just rain down manna. He gave us the bread of life in Christ He didn't just give us water from a rock or water from cisterns in a land that we didn't dig. He gives us the living, precious water that flows from Christ himself. And he didn't give us commands written on stone. He gave us new hearts of flesh. And he gave us his spirit that we might die to ourselves and live to Christ. Where is our wonder, guys? May we not lose sight of our wonder of this of the great works of deliverance that God has done through the gospel let us not lose it this is the wonder that we seek to live in that the next generation might gaze upon his beauty and worship at his feet this is the type of wonder that's caught and not taught it's the type of wonder that changes religion into relationship it gives it power this is the testimony, in Psalm 78, it says that he established a testimony in verse 5, a testimony in Jacob, talking about all the wondrous works that he did through Israel to, to deliver them. And the reality is, guys, like, as I said, he has taken and written a testimony in each of us, through the cross of Christ, that we might um, pass that on. And he is, he, it, it's a new testimony of us, and not just as a church but as an individual like God has written a unique story through each of you through each of us to share and pass on and that carries weight and power and so we pray that this testimony is established in us and that we would pass that on to the next generation so that verse 7 that they would set their hope in God Like We want our children, we want the next generation, we want these little ones that are going to be up here in a few minutes to set their hope in God and not forget His works, not forget His might and His strength. So wonders in creation, wonders in God's works of deliverance in His people. And then I think the third way that God reminded me of His wonders is, is just little wonders in the everyday the things that that he does that that keeps things new and fresh and invites us to to look look not just back at what he's done but at what he's gonna do today. And so I, I was I was asking like myself, like, how do I guard against this forgetfulness? How do I take action towards stirring up wonder in our own hearts and the hearts of our children? And I believe it is looking for these little signs of visible grace in our everyday. And I think that's why one of the primary discipleship passages in Deuteronomy 6 calls parents to, to, to disciple in the everyday. When you rise up, when you lie down, when you're eating, when you walk along the way. <clears throat> and he, he calls us to invite our kids into wonder in the little things. The little things of the everyday And we must prayerfully ask for eyes to see them and the faithfulness to call attention to them, to our children. Our children, especially little children, like they don't have a problem being in in awe and wonder. They just need a little bit of a direction and a reminder that this is God. Look what God did. God did that in you. God did that for us. God is moving around us to call them to fix their eyes constantly on him. Last August, I had an opportunity uh, to take my son, Elijah, to one of my favorite places in the world, which is Colorado. And uh, he turned 13 in September, and we took a little, like, rite of passage sort of trip. And I intentionally made every day get harder. And so the intent was to to, to test him physically, emotionally, spiritually. And kind of the climax of our trip was we were going to hike... A 14er, and if you're familiar with that terminology, uh, there's about 50, I think, or so uh, 14,000 foot mountains in Colorado. And uh, I had picked one, it certainly was not the easiest one. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a pretty difficult one. It was 4,500 feet of elevation gain, about nine and a half miles round trip. And I was okay if we didn't summit, like, it was supposed to be hard and intended to, to kind of push him. And, you know, it's one of those where you're, you're always concerned about, uh, you know, afternoon thunderstorms. You have to get up super early, like 4 a.m., get on the trail before sunrise and hope to summit before noon and, you know, get back down. And up to this point in our trip, Elijah had, had really done well. Like, I had pushed him and pushed him. I had challenged him uh, through, like, some white water rafting that we did, and he breached the, the, the cold water, and uh, not his favorite thing, but... Uh, we, we did have someone fall out of our raft, which I think kind of scared him, like five minutes in, it was kind of funny, um, but uh, but he handled that really well, and uh, and so we we get to this day and, and the elevation sickness was really starting to get to him, and I, I mean, I had a like pounding headache, and I know he had a headache too, just wasn't feeling well the night before, and I'm like, listen, so we, we kind of prayed about it, you know, prayed into what the morning would look like, and Um, I was like we'll just get up we'll eat we'll just kind of step by step and if we can't if we can't make it if we can't do it if you're not feeling up to it that's okay and I could get this sense where like of disappointment in his heart like he didn't want one he wanted to do it but he didn't want to disappoint me he felt like he was going to let me down if we didn't get to do this and so then the next morning we got up at four we had a little breakfast still wasn't feeling well like it was about 30 minutes to get to the trailhead we kind of got on the trailhead got on our way And we discovered that chewing gum was like a magic potion for him. And that if he just chewed chewing gum, like it seemed to give him energy. It it helped his ears be unstopped. It made it kind of calmed his stomach. And he was like good to go. And so we're like 30, 45 minutes into this hike. And it's already like just, it's almost like doing a Stairmaster for five miles. And, uh, And so we're going and he drops the gum out of his mouth. And he's like scrambling to find the pack and he can't find it. He was just like, oh no, I left it in the side of the car. What am I gonna do? And I'm like, well, we're not going back. We don't have time to go back. And so from the next two hours were brutal. I mean, it was so difficult. Stopping every like 50 feet, you know, there were a few people on the trail like passing us, and he'd be like, Do you have any gum? No. <laughs> and after like two hours, there's a group that comes up and they happen to have some gum. And it was just like, oh, thank you, Lord. And he gives, she, this lady gives him a couple of pieces, and again, it's like magic. Like He's like, all right, we're going to do this thing. We're going to make it. And so we start on. He's going. He's going. And she gave him like two pieces. And I kid you not, like an hour later, he drops the, that piece out of his mouth and can't find the other piece. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. And so it's another like hour of just trudging along. And finally, he was like, oh, yeah, I remember the gum is in my pocket that I put in my backpack. And he finds it. And again, it's like this cycle. And, uh, and so like the gum is like helping, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing like, um, we're, we're almost to the top. I think we had maybe an hour left. It's like 500 feet of elevation to go. And the gum just wasn't doing it anymore. And it was just like, you know, we were go a few feet and stop and go a few feet and stop. And he was starting to really like wonder, if I don't think we're going to make it. And I'm like, come on, we can do this. And I'm thinking, can I carry him? Like, I don't know how to do this. I don't think I can carry him. And all of a sudden, this, this group of college guys comes down from mountain. They'd passed us on the way up. And they come down, and they see him sitting there, and they hold out their fists, and they start giving him fist bumps. And they're like, little bro, you're a beast. <laughs> and it was like, I mean, he just lit up like the 4th of July. It was so awesome to see, like he just popped up, you know, they went on their way. I don't even think they realized, you know, what they had done. There weren't any other like young kids, you know, at all. There were no teenagers at all on this hike. They were all adults. And so he was like the only one. And so he pops up and he was like, we're doing this. And he like owned that last 500 feet. It was like, slow down. I can't keep up with you. Um, And we get to the top and this was so beautiful because we'd had conversations obviously with people passing us all along the way. And we get up there and there's probably 10 or 15 people that had passed us and they just start clapping and cheering as we kind of crested over the top. And he was just like lit up, you know, we did this. It was awesome. And... Um, and that night, after we got back, we were um, we were just talking, and we ended up in actually in Acts chapter eleven. I think we were reviewing kind of it was on a Sunday. We were reviewing what we had what would have been taught in our in our class that morning. And in Acts eleven, uh, persecutions broken out. It spread people to uh, to these different areas, and one of those is, is Antioch. And there's a group of, of Gentiles, the Greeks there, that are experiencing growth uh, of the Spirit. And they send Barnabas. And he goes down there to see what's going on. And in verse uh, verse 23, it says, When Barnabas came, he saw the grace of God. And he was glad and exhorted them to remain faithful. And we were talking about that. And I'm like, that's so cool that he saw it. It's like he saw there was something tangible. There was something visible about God's grace moving amongst those people that made, made him be like, this is of God. And so... I asked Elijah, like, where, where did we see God's grace today? Do we see God's grace? Like, where do we see it? And it didn't take him long to, like, start recounting, you know, all the little ways that God's grace had been made visible to him Is like, at least three pieces of gum was was God's tangible grace. Um, these guys, you know, high-fiving him and, and giving him fist bumps, and then this group like celebrating with us at the top, and not to mention like there is no other view like that. Like it is unbelievable. You feel like you're on top of the world, and it certainly evokes wonder in our Creator. And so all of those things like was just it was just so sweet for us to sit and worship together and be reminded of how God met us that that morning and uh, I, I, he understood in that moment that he'd not climbed that mountain by himself, like that God had been you know god's grace had been evident to him god's grace had spurred him on, and it was just a very sweet sweet time so church, I say that because God is a God of wonders. He's still the same God. It's evident in creation around us. It's evident in our own personal testimonies and the miracles that he's done to make dead hearts come to life. And it's evident in our everyday visible signs of God's grace that calls us to stand in awe and wonder of him and to proclaim it to the next generation that they might treasure and put their hope in him. And so I just kind of end there, and I'm going to ask, like, Uh, families that are dedicating their kids to kind of come up and line across the front Um, you guys come on up (laughs) and so I just recognize that this exhortation this morning is not just for them it's not just for the parents like it's for all of us to be reminded that we are to stand in awe of God that it evokes worship and wonder that we are invited to come alongside these families and in invite our children into that. And so this morning, I just, I want to take a, an opportunity to just say, what are we doing here? Like, why, what is the meaning of child dedication? And, and these families are standing here this morning as an act of faith in the presence of God and his people to solemnly and earnestly offer up their children to God for his wise and sovereign purposes in their lives and to offer themselves up to God for his... Um, for the holy responsibility of being biblical parents seeking to raise their children in the fear and knowledge of the joy of the Lord and so this morning I introduce just these families to you Uh, we have Cody and Sarah Todd and they're dedicating Bethany Marie and we have uh, the Govers we have uh, Isaac and Courtney dedicating Theodore Fox we have the Canadas Ian and Becca dedicating Everett Reed and we have JD and Krista Hammer dedicating Josiah David and Wren Louise. And we have Josh and Elisa Massalia dedicating Nariah Ann. And we have Blake and Kaylin Clark dedicating Ember Rose. And so, guys, um, I'm, I'm certainly grateful for Gospel Center resources like Proverbs, uh, or like uh, providers like Truth 78. And uh, the statement that I'm going to ask them to uh these five promises i'm going to ask them to make come from their book dedicated to the lord and each of you will get a copy if you if um, you don't have one already uh and so i'm just going to ask for you guys like i'm going to i'm going to make these five uh, to make these five promises on behalf of yourselves and on behalf of your children um, recognizing that you have no ability to keep them apart from god's sanctifying work and the power of his spirit Um, So I'll pause after each one of these, and I ask that you guys respond with, we do, okay? Do you recognize these children as gifts from God and give heartfelt thanks for God's blessing? Do you dedicate your children to the Lord who gave them to you, surrendering all worldly claims upon their lives in the hope that they will belong wholly to Jesus Christ forever? Do you pledge as parents, with God's fatherly help, you will bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, making every effort with faithfulness, patience, and love to build the Word of God, the character of Christ, and the joy of the Lord into their lives. And do you, provi- do you promise to provide through God's blessing for the physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual needs of your children, looking to your own heavenly Father for the wisdom, love, and strength to serve them and not to use them? And do you promise, God helping you, to make it your regular prayer that by God's grace your children will come to trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins and for the fulfillment of all his promises to them, even eternal life? And in this faith, to follow Jesus as Lord and obey his teaching. Well, little ones and parents, together with your parents and as, as a church, uh, who love you dearly in this congregation that cares about the outcome of your faith, we dedicate you uh, to God surrendering together with them all worldly claims upon your life in the hope that you will belong wholly to Jesus Christ forever. And so if you consider yourself a part of this body or if you're here to support everybody that's here, I would ask that if you would extend a hand and just pray with me as we dedicate these children to the Lord Jesus. Almighty God and gracious Father, we present these dear families to you. We pray that you might grant to them the grace they need to keep these promises. That Lord, apart from you it is impossible, but with your mighty wonder-working power it is possible. Lord, we pray that these parents would be equipped to teach and train and discipline their children according to your word. To make you supreme over their household and their dreams and their finances that they would walk in the ways of your laws, that your name and renown would be the desires of their heart. Lord, we recognize them as a blessing, and we pray that your holy word would be the mighty bow with which they shoot these arrows. And Lord, we pray that you would guard the marriages, that they would be a place of peace where the father would lead and love sacrificially as Christ loves his church and where the mother can come alongside and submit in respect to the leading of her husband and that you would unify them firmly, Lord, in the truth of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would call these little ones out of darkness and into your marvelous light and that not one of them would be lost. And Lord, more than money or fame, more than good education or a successful career, or more than a nice home or a strong family, more than health and a fruitful life, we pray, Lord Jesus, that these children would be born again and called according to your purposes. We pray that you will open their eyes to see the truth of the gospel and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And now may our great and eternal Father bless you and your children and your children's children. And may he strengthen you in your inner being with power from the Holy Spirit. And we pray that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. And may your children and your families be rooted and grounded in love so they can comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ to stand in awe and in wonder of him. And Lord Jesus, we just pray that you are, and we recognize that you are able to do far abundantly than all we ask or think or imagine. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. You guys can. (laughs) If you guys want to grab um, your framed uh, dedication and a book, feel free to do that. And there's also some books on the chair over here that after service, if you want to look through, you guys can pick one additional book as well. All right? Thank you all so much. I want to ask that Kurt and the the band make their way up. Um, We're going to enter just a a time of of reflection and a time of communion. And I pray that God has stirred your hearts to wonder this morning. Um, And I hold him up to you. I hold up Jesus Christ to you as a sufficient sacrifice for sinners like his work on the cross is sufficient that it is he desires to work a miracle in you if this is something for the first time that you're like I have no idea what you're talking about like I pray that you would come to him that you would drink deeply from the living water that he offers you that your soul would see and know and gaze upon the beauty of who he is And if you're here this morning and you feel like you've lost that wonder, like He has not changed. It is not Him that has has changed. He is the same God of wonders. And So I invite you uh, to to come and take communion if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And come, ask Him to stir your hearts afresh to awe and wonder. To to be reminded of the miracle that God has done in you. Come and drink deeply. The invitation is still the same, that he is a fountain of living water that desires to satisfy your soul. So come to him. He is sufficient.